G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020 in its entirety on the Vision Radio Network from 10am Australian Eastern Time. That's 11am Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time on the Vision Radio Network. Well, as a parent or as a concerned Christian, one issue that doesn't seem to get much careful attention is the issue of contraception. And yet most couples intending to manage their family will eventually be faced with decisions about it. Within the Christian church, there are a range of opinions on contraception and you could be wondering which one is right. Dr. Megan Best is back with us today, having just released her new book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, in which, as a bioethicist, she discusses this often controversial issue of contraception. Hi, Megan. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Megan, when it comes to this issue of contraception, what are the main areas of difficulty that people have when they're talking about uh, the different uh, complexities? Well, I think uh, with contraceptives, there are, there are several layers of information that are required before you can make a good decision. And first of all, you need the facts of how the contraceptives actually work, which is quite difficult to access uh, because a lot of manufacturers don't actually give out a lot of information. And I personally had a lot of difficulty uh, getting that information for the book. So that's, that's the first thing that's quite difficult And then you need to understand what the Bible says about uh, contraception, which is really looking at what the purposes of marriage are, the idea what the Bible says about families and responsibilities of parents. And uh, we know that the Protestant and, and Roman Catholic churches have, in fact, understood some parts of that theology quite differently. So I also go into that in the book to explain the two different perspectives and why some people think contraceptives are permissible and other groups think it's not. And then you need to work out um, uh, applying those biblical principles to um, the way the contraceptives work, which also incorporates understanding when human life begins. And then you can work out which ones are ethically acceptable. And then you'll need to talk to your own doctor to work out which ones will suit uh, an individual given their own health issues and and how old they are and things like that. So it's quite a complex topic. It it is, and for ordinary Christian believers who might understand something about contraception, they might have a broad brushstroke that says, uh, well, the Catholic side of Christianity says you should have no contraception, but it is allowable on the Protestant side of Christianity and that is a little bit too broad because there are, as you say, complexities in this whole issue. That's right. Uh, The Catholic Church does allow the natural family planning methods, uh, which I explain in the book, 
And there are certain situations such as rape where they do accept some forms of contraception. Uh, and I, I give that in uh, some detail in the book. But um, when you understand a bit about uh, how contraceptives work, you realise some of them work before fertilisation, in which case they would be ethical for a Christian because they don't actually destroy the embryo once it's created. But some of them work after the embryo has been created and stop them from developing. And so Christians really need to know which contraceptives are in which category so they can work out which would be the group they could choose from. And some of them are a bit complicated, such as the pill, where uh, you actually need a fair bit of information to understand why they're not clearly in either group. This is the big bombshell question of controversy, isn't it? Because if you're on that Protestant side and you appreciate that contraception is okay, where it becomes not okay is if the contraceptive pill that you may have been prescribed actually is abortifacient. In other words, uh, what you're describing as uh, where it actually uh, affects the the uh, post-fertilised egg. That's right. So how, does, so how do we deal with that? Is it a matter of knowing or is it a matter of trusting your doctor that they're prescribing a pill that's not abortifacient? Well, I think we have to remember that there are lots of different ways of working out right from wrong, depending on your worldview. And your doctor will be applying ethical judgments to what they do. But if they're not Christian, they won't be using an, an, um, an ethical framework which uh, may correspond with your own beliefs about what's right and wrong. So I think that Christians need to have information before they go to the doctor so they can put medical decisions through their own ethical uh, grid before they decide if something's right or wrong. And most doctors will work within someone's ethical framework if you know enough about it to explain it to them. But um, not all legal options will be ethical for Christians because the ethics involved may not be Christian ethics. Of course, the very controversial RU486 uh, morning after pill is one of those that uh, is abortifacient and after the fertilisation's already occurred. Yes, it was specifically designed to cause uh, medical abortions and th that's actually fairly easy um, to categorise on, on those grounds. But um, the normal contraceptive pill uh, that uh, women would be prescribed, it's, it's not so straightforward and I have a whole appendix that discusses the arguments. Uh, I think in summary, I'm not convinced that it does cause abortions. But on the other hand, no one's ever done the research to prove it definitely and so it's, it's not a straightforward thing and you really need to understand what the actual... Uh, mechanisms of the pill are before you can understand the complexity of why some people are worried it might cause abortions. And personally, um, I don't think they're good medical arguments. As a doctor, I don't think that they um, are solid arguments, but they're so widespread, um, it really needs to be explained in full for people to understand why people have come to different conclusions and to realize that Bible-believing Christians stand on both sides of that argument 
and everyone wants to do the best thing. It's just you need to understand the science to work out exactly um, why the different positions are held. But uh, I do think some of the information out there for Christians about the pill is, is technically incorrect. And, and I've tried to address that in the book. When you say technically incorrect, when Christians are looking at information about it, which particular areas would you think are the most uh, controversial and potentially incorrect areas that we perhaps are, uh, are, uh, are being led astray on? In terms of the pill? Yeah. Well, there are, there are three mechanisms um, in, in terms of how the pill works. One is that it thickens mucus around the cervix to stop sperm from getting in. You can't have an embryo unless you've got sperm, so that's one way it works. Another way is that it stops the woman from ovulating. Uh, that's what gives you the egg, so if you don't have an egg, you won't have an embryo. And the third mechanism is that it sends the lining of the woman's uterus. Now, the people who are concerned that the Bible causes an uh, that the pill causes early abortion say, well, if you have a, a failure of the thickening of the mucus and a sperm gets through, and a failure of release of the uh, of preventing the egg being released, and then you have an egg, you could technically have an embryo, and then it wouldn't be able to develop because the lining of the womb would be too too thin. But if you actually look at the the research that they are referring to to say that you can have the failure of the first mechanism with the mucus and the failure of the second, which is suppressing the ovulation, but not failure of the third, so that you still have the thin womb. Um, that, that actual research has problems with its methodology and it doesn't actually prove what it says it proves in scientific terms. Whereas I would say, well, if you've got failure of the first mechanism and failure of the second mechanism, you're also going to have failure of the third and you're not going to have an abortion, you're going to have an unplanned pregnancy because... The, if an embryo is formed, it will be able to uh, develop in the womb because the actual mechanism of releasing the egg releases the hormones that are required to build up the lining of the womb so that you can't have release of an egg without a prepared uterus. It just, it's, the same, it's the same process. You can't separate them. And so I think if you actually look at the original scientific papers in the, in the medical journals which were used to justify the argument that the pills are abortifacient, I don't think that actually is, um, that has been done. I don't think the papers they say proves their case actually proves their case. You have to be able to read a scientific paper though to pick up what mistakes they've made. But what I've done in the book is try to explain in layman's terms, what the problems are with the argument that, it, that the pill causes abortions and to explain why I don't think that stands up. But having said that, nobody has done an experiment that definitely shows that um, it can never cause abortions because you'd have to test every woman every cycle to prove something like that and it's just not feasible. But with the evidence we do have, there is absolutely no, um, I, I don't, 
believe that there is any coherent argument which would explain how those abortions could occur. We're talking about contraception and there are lots of insights in Dr. Megan Best's new book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Megan, stay with us. There's so much more to talk about when it comes to this issue of contraception. We'll talk some more shortly. You're listening to the Vision Radio Network's daily podcast. We're back talking through the controversial aspects of the topic of contraception. Within the Christian Church, there's a range of positions on contraception, and you could be wondering which one is right. Dr. Megan Best is the author of the book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, in which, as a bioethicist, she discusses this controversial issue. Megan, there hasn't always been this level of controversy. There were some changes to the way we think about contraception dating back to around the 1980s. That's right. Uh, I'd say up to that time, you would have had trouble finding any uh, doctor who didn't think that human life started at fertilization. Certainly any embryology textbooks you look in say it begins at fertilization. But in the 1980s, once the pill had been developed and it was starting to be widely marketed, um, some specialists, uh, O&G specialists in America decided that uh, there could be some problems with the marketing if if the pill did work after the formation of an embryo. And they didn't want people saying the pill did cause abortions. Um, as, as I've just explained at some length, I don't think it does. But they wanted to avoid that risk. And so they officially changed the definition for um, the specialty of of obstetrics and gynecology in America at a meeting in 1982 to say that the pregnancy and therefore for most people human life began when the embryo actually implanted in the lining of the mother's womb. That gave them an extra week, the week between the formation of the embryo at fertilization and when it traveled down the fallopian tube to the uterus, that extra week to allow what they called contraceptives to work um, without anyone being able to say that it caused an early abortion because if you didn't have a pregnancy and you didn't have a human life developing, you couldn't say you were having an abortion. So it was a really politically expedient decision to help with the marketing of contraceptives and that's why you've got one group of contraceptives that work before fertilisation and a second group that work between fertilisation and implantation of the embryo. And it's those ones that work between fertilization and implantation that Christians need to look out for. So it's like a marketing campaign that covered up some of the grey areas in that first week of life. That's right. And and I've spoken to lots of specialists in Australia who didn't realise that at all, had never heard that story. So your doctor might think that they're doing the right thing and just not have enough information to make uh, that uh, ethical decision which avoids any risk of of early abortions uh, for someone who's keen to avoid it. Uh, So it it is worth knowing these finer details because it's an area which hasn't been fully discussed uh, in our society and a lot of people just don't have all the information they need to make ethically sound decisions. And Megan, that might be a, a you know a cover up and a, a grey area there in that first week of life, but it's mind-boggling and uh, 
desensitizing uh, to some people now that that abortion has gone way beyond uh, those early days and where uh, children can be aborted uh, months and right through to late terms of pregnancy. That's right. We we even have abortions in Australia where if the baby had been born uh, normally, it, the baby would definitely have survived. But um, it's still legal for that child to be uh, aborted, um, even though they could have survived if they weren't actually killed in the process of being born. Just as we wrap up this part of our conversation, when there are parents, and particularly I'm thinking women at the moment, who may be concerned about some of the things they might have heard you saying, and you've come back time and again and said that you believe that contraception is okay, but for those who hold that little bit of doubt, what do you say to the ordinary woman who's trying to do the right thing but has now an element of doubt about whether the contraceptive pill that she's using is in fact ethically sound? I think that uh, there's two things. I think we have to remember that we're not um, to be blamed for decisions which we've made in the past which, where we didn't have enough information to make the best decision and that we have to realise that I'm not on uh, a crusade to give anybody a guilt trip I'm just saying here's some information and let's try and make good decisions in the future. But if you have made bad decisions in the past um, and and repent of that, you'll be forgiven for sure. But I think um, I would recommend people just read the book and get the information they need for future decisions and, and then that way they can be reassured that they will be making the best possible decision. And I'll point people to the book. It's called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. It's written by Dr. Megan Best, who is a bioethicist, a palliative care doctor, a Christian speaker, and a parent too, and uh, lots of sound research, biblically-based ethical handbook that Christians have been waiting for for a long time. And I'll point people, Megan, to the website where people can get a hold of your book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. It's at www.matthiasmedia.com.au forward slash FWM. And Dr. Megan Best, a pleasure talking about these issues. And let's talk again another day. But thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Can I just say to finish up yep. that, that if there are women who've done things in the past, uh, particularly those who have had abortions, I think that they are very much victims of the system as well, the women as well as the babies. And I think that this is a challenge for our church to try and help those women who are in difficult situations um, and give them the resources they need to make good decisions in the future. Megan Best, thanks for being with us on 2020. You're welcome. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.